ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Alright everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. I'm your host Rob Kramer, alongside, as always, my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. Daniel, how you doing today, buddy? Doing great. I'm pumped up for game, for game one of round two later tonight. I'm ready. My dog, Mr. Malunigan, is ready. So is my mom and everyone, every Rangers fan I know. Absolutely, man. We got a lot going on today. As just as you mentioned, uh, the New York Rangers start their uh, second round playoff series tonight against the Carolina Hurricanes down in Carolina, down in Raleigh over there. Uh, their uh, nice stadium over there. We're going to try and make it a little less nice tonight as uh, the Ranger fans are going down there, whether they like it or not. You know, yep. before we get into anything, Dan, what do you think about that crazy? a stipulation that they added to the ticket buying process down in Carolina. I think it's stupid. And plus they're not keeping, they're not keeping them out. There's Ranger fans that live in North Carolina. There's Ranger fans that probably know people in North Carolina that probably had those people worked as a middleman and they vemoed them the money and they went and they got tickets for the, somehow through the box office that way. They also probably got through StubHub. So exactly stadium it's going to be a blue invasion this tonight i think you're definitely right and if you're not aware uh the carolina hurricanes put this stipulation on their ticket buying uh windows online that you cannot purchase tickets if you're not from either north or south carolina so and they go as far that even if you write down, oh, yeah, I'm from North Carolina and everything, they check your credit card bill. So if your credit card bill does not reflect a North or South Carolina billing address, you're, you're out of luck. Although, like Dan said, I'm very, very sure that a lot of Ranger fans will be pouring in there tonight, as they usually do, because they can't sell their building out even in the playoffs. But before we get into all that, oh, what's that, Dan? There's Ranger fans everywhere. We're world travel. There's Ranger fans all over the world. No doubt about it. The Ranger fan travels very well. We pack all arenas across anywhere our team goes. Even in Europe, when they, when they were out there about 10 years ago doing those preseason games, you still saw a lot of Ranger jerseys. But before we get into all that, we still have another playoff series to talk about as the the last time we spoke on this podcast the rangers were you know pretty much left for dead by a lot of people they were down 3-1 looking to rally back um and boy we saw three great wins we'll get into that shortly uh also our our new york mets you know they're they're doing uh they're still in first place they're dealing with some injuries now and some inconsistent play out of their regulars. But, um, you know, I think we both have, have uh, confidence that our Mets will uh, steady the ship and uh, that Buck Showalter is going to 
figure out how to get these guys back on the right track. Right, Dan? Yeah, exactly. I think it's just a blip in the radar. Hopefully, at Tyler McGill, of course, who I gets injured. From what I gather, maybe maybe one or two starts he has to miss because he'll cause, yeah because he'll have to do a rehab start or two. But he should be go go around the next the next start. Hopefully, I agree. The- and Tyler McGill was placed in the DL about a couple of days ago. What's that, Dan? Yeah, it's, it's nothing much. Just a little small little thing that he has to miss one start. Also, uh, from what I got, it looks like Jacob DeGrom, we got good news. He's on track to begin his next phase of return. So hopefully we'll have DeGrom back in time for that second half push. I have, and I have good faith, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully be scoring lots of runs in Colorado. And hopefully for the sake of, I know I hear there's some Met fans that are making a trip to Colorado. I understand the Seven Line Army, which are a great group of people. You definitely got to take. You definitely got to at least do one game with them in your lifetime if you're a Mets fan. You got to do one of their away game, when their away outings, and one of their city field outings. They do a great job with their outings. Their outing, I, I hear on Saturday, it might snow on Saturday, and that would suck if that that happened with the Seven Line. Because it's always great when they when they show up on the road. Yes, that would definitely suck if they ended up getting, a, you know, having a snowy weekend out there in Denver where the Mets will be and the seven-line army, just as you said. I was actually out there in Denver in 2019 to see the Mets and the Rockies, one of my favorite stadiums in the, in the league. I, I love Coors Field. So, a lot of Mets fans made that trip. Yes. Because what happened was somehow the, some people at the Rockies wanted – we're hoping that the seven line were going to be there, but they weren't quite doing an outing that year. But they gave the they gave them a promo code for they gave them a promo code that they shared with the Met fans. Mm-hmm. And we a lot of Met fans took advantage of that promo code. So I noticed there was a lot of Met fans, especially sitting right behind the visiting dugout at that stadium, if I'm correct. Yes, you're right. You're right. And uh Met fans that are gonna be there this weekend in Colorado. Jimmy Blackman, one of our biggest supporters, he's gonna be he's gonna be there this weekend at in Denver. So I don't want to vote out for him for him to get to see the bets on the road there. Wow, Jimmy Blackman, very good guy, very uh, you know uh, former member of the East Side Dave show, uh, just you know all all around good guy. Uh, Jimmy Blackman, it's very cool that he's gonna be out there this weekend. So we got uh, some Met fan connection, some compound media connection heading out there um very cool very cool so you know like i said we got a lot to get into today uh you know and and not to mention too let's let's just put this out there real quick the yankees who are also 18 and 3 in their last 21 games and aaron judge has hammered 13 home runs in that time so you know we got to give the yankees some respect that team is playing a lot of good baseball right now. They're playing a crappy Orioles team right now who they should take care of relatively easily. But we do have to talk a little, you know, a little Yankees and give them some due respect because, man, Nestor Cortez, Garrett Cole, uh, everybody on that team is hot right now. And uh, it's it's really crazy to see, right, Dan? What do you think about the Yankees so far? They're doing good. At the same time, it's a regular season. And let's see how they carry in the postseason. Because, like I said, their pitching is going to play a factor. Also, they haven't really been played against a really good team yet. That's true. Although they did just do a good job knocking three out of four 
from the uh, Chicago White Sox. So uh, they, they had been tested. And also they did take both the games they played from the Blue Jays earlier this, uh, you know, and uh, earlier last week. So uh, they, they have played some good teams, but I do agree. They have played a lot of garbage teams too. Like, you know, the Guardians are no good at this point. Uh, the Kansas City Royals, the, you know, the Orioles. So a lot of garbage in there too. But the Yankees are beating the teams they have to beat. So you can't knock them for that. So we got all that to get into before the uh, Rangers play game one tonight against Carolina. Uh, Really going to be a fun series. And, uh, you know, while we get into all that, Dan, uh, give a quick plug for yourself at the top of the show here. So uh, we know where to get you on social media. Get me on social media. As always, Bobo103NYC on Twitter. And also Bobo718DK on Instagram and Daniel Curlin on YouTube for all, my, for all your YouTube content for me. There'll be, plenty, there'll be plenty of videos there. There's some stuff I got in the works that I want them, hopefully, that I want to get, 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 the, get out of the way and, fi- and film. It's the, some funny stuff. You can even watch some classics you may have haven't seen yet or some of the classic videos you want to see again, like some of the videos I filmed with Mr. Malunigan. And some videos I filmed with this, some some stuff I did for the show. Very true, man. And you know, also too, if you if you get the chance, check out the uh, newest episode of the Davy Mac Sports Show. Uh, on that episode, yes, I that show. It was a fun time. I I had fun. I really I really love some of the. St- some of the outrageous stuff I said on on that show, I I, I did I work I worked hard in that show for a, when I when the when the moment I hear I'm on the Eastside Dave show, I get the emails I plan out I plan out the show prep and I come up with some I come up with some outrageous stuff for that for my appearance. <laughs> and it's a really really funny appearance, a really really funny show. Uh, Dave at one point puts you uh, under interrogation. Uh, very, very funny stuff. So if you're a fan of this show, if you're a fan of Eastside Dave, do yourself a favor and check that out because uh, a lot of funny content coming out of Davey Mack. Definitely. It's a, not, only, not only during my appearances, but the show in general was just a hilarious good time. It, it was a hilarious, hilarious time. I'm, prob- I'm probably that, – that video may have inspired me to maybe one day do an air guitar thing with, with Sir Maloon again when I saw <laughs> That was the pretty- air guitar. That definitely was pretty funny. The the using the dog air guitar, <laughs> and uh, and also you know uh, yeah. Some... I got I got asked because I thought that was, thought that. Was... Uh, can you hear me? The sound went off. Yeah, yeah. You broke up for a second, but what did you say? I said I said yeah, and it was all it was also great to see Dave, Eastside Dave's dog because I've heard I've heard I've seen like sort of he had a dog, but it's always great. I I have. Everybody knows I have a soft spot for, for, for pets. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Everybody loves a, a dog or a cat or anything like that. And um, actually you've met my dog too. My dog, Murphy, my, my Irish setter, um, you know, so uh, very, very cool. Sure. You'll be enjoying the game with Murphy and he's got, I'm sure he's got some sort of Rangers gear on himself. Absolutely. And he's got a special place on the couch right next to me when we watch the game. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you even got a Christmas tree ornament with your dog's paw print. 
<laughs> I've had that in the past. Not not for Murphy yet, but I, I've definitely had that. Murphy, because I definitely definitely I got the the late the late Rosie Shea who who I miss. I got I got a poor printer. I got I got her paw print ornament during Christmas time, and of course, Baluda gets a paw, paw print. Paw print. <laughs> very cool, very cool. And uh, before we get into it, too, you can check me out on social media at uh, at my last name Kramer and Y on Twitter. And don't forget to follow the show at B Sith. That stands for Best Seat in the House. B Sith underscore podcast. Uh, you can check us out there. All of our uh, fun stuff up there, Trivia Tuesdays, um, any retweets from me and Dan during the week, promoting the next show, uh, promoting Eastside Dave and, and his uh, all of his great endeavors and everything like that. So, uh, And also, too, shout out to uh, the newest winner in our Twitter sweepstakes, Aim Doll. Right, Dan? That's right. She, she, won, the, she won the Athletic Logos gift card. And sure to be sure to con- contact the, the the appropriate Twitter accounts, and we'll uh, we'll make sure to we'll make sure to get that gift card out to you, Aimdahl. Great, great Mets fan, and she won. And just to let people know on Twitter, this contest is done at random. It's done at random. It's just picked, you know, uh, you know, by uh, by random. And if uh, if you follow our account. You can get yourself in to the the contest because as long as you're within right now, we're at followers 200 uh, to 300 where we're working our way up to 300 right now. So if you're in that bracket between 200 and 300, you have you have earned yourself a shot to win this uh, yourself a gift card. And, uh, you know, you could get a lot of fun stuff, uh, you know, a lot of great fan gear with fanatics. Right, Dan? Yeah, and we do, and we do, and we do, and when the when I do we do these random things, I found a little random thing somewhere on online that we, I was able to enter all those Twitter handles, and that's how it's that's how it's done. Yeah, so exactly, you know, it's it's out of our hands. So uh, you know, I understand if uh, if people want to get um, you know up in arms, but hey, look, we it's just a fun little contest. So thank you for interacting with us. Thank you for following us. And most of all, thank you for uh, listening to us and, and checking out our podcast. So uh, with that, Dan, do you have anything else to add? That, that's all I have to add about this contest. Okay, no problem, buddy. So with that, we'll move on to, as we mentioned, the New York Rangers playing the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, game one. But before we talk about that, we have to get into the amazing, amazing series and the amazing comeback, which we just saw, Dan, just, I mean, we'll break down games five, six, and seven in a sec, but just in, in a word, in a phrase, how do you describe the joy, the happiness, the excitement of this comeback beating the Penguins in seven? Oh, my God. This was such an unbelievable comeback. I'm so glad to get to be able to see it all happen unfold wherever I was watching. I mean, for one thing, remember last week I was at I was at Donovan's right before game five. And I said, watch, this is not over yet. I said, I smell comeback. I smell comeback. 
During that game, we fell behind. I think at one point we were down three goals. We somehow came back. I said I said somewhere during one of the intermissions, hey, we got to come back in us. No, no, no panic. We did it. We yeah, won man. it. The Donovan, the people went nuts. It was high fives all around. I, I got, I got, I went, I went headed back home, happy about getting a seat at a watching at a vic, victory. Of course, as always, the burger was great. I mean, Donovan's is a great burger. You got, you definitely got to come by one of these the series. I, we, def- we I definitely have to check out Donovan's. <laughs> have us there it's actually a couple it's a couple of stops of subway stops away from city field on the seven train it's also one liwr stop away from Madison square garden by the way Woodside's one 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 uh one a liwr stop from penn station so it's also great for before ranger games also so that's a great great place and they got the jimmy the co the the co-owner donovan's he's a Big fan of the big supporter of our show, so definitely, definitely check it out. And that's why definitely at some point, probably this summer, we'll be having our first live event. Definitely at Donovan's, uh, such a great place. If you want to check out Donovan's in uh, Woodside, New York, uh, Donovan's Pub. But um, you know, let's just let's get into this. So, game five. After me and you finish this show up, boy, they they had a lackluster first period, which became a trend in those last couple of games, um, you know, Gunsel scored the goal to put him up one, nothing. Then early on in the second period, Chris Letang netted one to give him a two, nothing lead. And man, when it was two, nothing, it was not looking good. It really felt like this Ranger team was going to go out with it, with, with without a whimper, you know, without even, you know, uh, the, the classic ability to fight back that we saw all season. But next thing you know, Sidney Crosby skating off the ice after a, a, a high hit from Jacob Truba. The Rangers go on the power play and Adam Fox, who else, but Foxy clean puts it in the back of the net to cut that lead in half two to one. And as soon as that happened, you just felt something was brewing, right, Dan? Exactly. I just felt it after that goal. I just felt it. This is the start of a comeback. And it was because the Rangers scored that goal at 15, 11, in the second period, and by the time 1753 would click off, only about two and a half minutes later, the Rangers would come all the way back from being down 2 nothing to being up 3-2. to two. After that Fox goal made it 2-1, you'd have Alexi Lafreniere tie the game up at 2 and really just throw himself into that boards. What a great goal and great feeling, and, and just the perfect person to score that goal, right, Dan? Exactly. I knew this guy was going to be big time the moment we, we, we got we got him. The moment I saw the news uh, when I'm watching that, N- N- that NHL dr- draft lottery, the, ping, the moment that ping pong ball had that logo, that Rangers shield, I said, this is going to be big. <laughs> I, I saw that. I, I agree, man. I think a lot of Ranger fans felt that too. You know, Lafreniere was the clear number one choice that year in 2020 when the Rangers got him. So uh, really cool to see him score that goal in his first playoff series in an elimination game. 
And so it's 2-2. And then about a minute later, Jacob Truba crossing in front of the net, it really crossing through the slot. And he took a backhanded shot that even he said after the game, he was just trying to put the puck on net. He did not think that this puck was going to go in. And lo and behold, it goes in, makes it three to two. Uh, really, really stunning, stunning uh, couple of minutes there where the Rangers really came back to life. But unfortunately, a bad play from Igor would uh, allow Gunsel to get the to get the puck, to tie the game back up three three. But before you knew it, you had Philip Heedle out there in uh, you know o- only two and a half minutes into the third period, putting the Rangers up four three. That was also on the power play. And then Ryan Lindgren, who else? What a gamer. What a gritty, gritty player Ryan Lindgren is to put the empty netter in to make it 5-3 Rangers uh, for a big, big victory at Madison Square Garden to to make the series 3-2. And when Lindgren puts that puck in, Dan, it just felt like a giant weight was lifted off our backs, right? Yep, it just felt that. I just said... And then after that, when I said, we're not out of this yet. Yeah. On, on to Pittsburgh to force a game to game seven. Exactly. So, and and Pittsburgh had been, uh, you know, a little nightmarish for us before that. Exactly. So I remember, I remember that fast forward to, to that game, to game six. I'm in my, I'm in my living room watching game six. And we all know what happened there. Exactly. And, you know, I was actually at City Field uh, on this Friday night for the Mets Mariners game that Scherzer started. Me and my girlfriend went and I was watching the the Met the I was watching the Met game live, but I had to arrange a game on my phone because obviously when I bought the tickets months ago, whatever, I did not expect the Rangers to be in a pivotal game six. So it was a very interesting experience. And there were a lot of Ranger fans there, man. Were you using the? Were you listening to the audio on the NHL app, or since you're in the New York area, like me, you had you were were using the MSG Go app to watch it? I was using the MSG Go app, and and I was able to watch the game. I had a guy behind me was checking out everything too, and you know whenever the Rangers would score, uh, in between innings, the the Mets would show the highlight of them scoring and play the Rangers goal score, uh, you know goal song. So, yeah, it was it was a very, very cool experience. But once again, it did not start off well. You know, Jeff Carter nets one right off the bat uh, in the first period to, to make it one nothing. And then only a minute and a half after that, Rust comes along, make it two nothing. So you're, you're thinking to yourself going to the second period. Holy crap. We, we got to dig ourselves out of a two nothing hole again. And they have not been able to do that in Pittsburgh up to this point. Well, that all changed when, you know, everybody remembers big game James, James Shields, the, the the old pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Not anymore. We're talking big game Mika because Mika Zibanejad, a guy who a lot of fans, you know, I, I was more of a Kreider guy for, for captain, but a lot of fans have been saying that Mika Zibanejad is the captain in waiting for this team. And boy, did Mika really give himself a shot in the ass with uh with the game that he played in game six and seven, just uh just incredible. He nets the goal to to, to make it two one. A great slap shot that beat Louis Domingue. Uh, next thing you know, 
he uh he comes in with a, a power play goal and the Rangers tie the game up. That was in the span of a minute and 20 seconds. Mika's Benajay put those two goals in, immediately erasing a two-goal deficit by himself. Now, Mika had been fairly – he'd played good defense. He'd killed penalties well. He'd had a couple of assists. But from a goal-scoring perspective, Mika did not have a good first five games. Now, what are you thinking, Dan, when the Rangers uh, come back, they erase this two-goal deficit – Mika Zibanejad puts it puts both of them in himself. I mean, you've got to have all the confidence in the world in Mika after that, right? Uh, believe me, I was chanting his name when we scored those goals. I just, I, I probably went nuts. Malunigan sitting on my lap. You can hear Malunigan like, like barking, like looking at me, like why all the loud noise? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, and it was crazy. And then right after that, too. Um, in the uh, in the second period, you had that great. Now, one thing you can never take anything away from Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist is the king, and will always be the king. He's one of the greatest Ranger goaltenders of all time, and he's a future Hall of Famer. But one thing that Henrik Lundqvist did not do very well was handle the puck out of the net, especially when it came to behind the net and making passes in front of the net. Um, that was one of Lundqvist's weak points. And luckily for the Rangers and for himself, he very rarely did it. Igor Shesterkin is not that. <laughs> Igor Shesterkin loves to get in the action. He loves to pass the puck. And what did you think of that amazing down ice pass where he hits Mika Zibanejad in stride, who then hits Chris Kreider to put the goal in the net that was one of the best passes I've ever seen a goalie make. I was like yelling out like, holy shit, we got... I just went nuts. I, I probably, I, I again made noise. My mother was wondering what was with all that noise she heard. <laughs> mother, my grandmother was around during it, as she is during the warm weather season. The winter, she likes to be with the Florida relatives, but mm-hmm. when it New York, she's uh, in, in New York during the warm weather months. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, you know, like, and then, so the Rangers had taken that 3-2 lead from Kreider. Um, you know, it didn't really last very long as only about three minutes later, a little less than three minutes, Evgeny Malkin, who is just a, another hell of a player, um, comes down the ice, puts it in himself, single-handedly ties the game. Um to make it 3-3 heading to the third period, uh, that that was a little scary. I'll tell you that much because when the Rangers grabbed that 3-2 lead, I remember thinking to myself, okay, they're not giving this one up. You know, they fought all the way back again. They're definitely not going to give this one up. And sure enough, they did, as we've seen the Rangers spring a few leaks defensively at times this year. Um, but, you know, Malkin tied it up, but that did not break the Rangers. The game would remain 3-3 after 18 minutes, 32 seconds. That means with a minute 28 left in the game. Chris Kreider just took what seemed to be a somewhat innocent shot that was not, it was up high and it was not handled well by Louis Domingue. It gets past him. It goes over his head and crossed the line. Rangers take that 4-3 lead with a minute 28 remaining. It would remain that way until uh, Andrew Kopp would score the empty netter to make it 
5-3 Rangers. So games five and six have the same score. 5-3 Rangers uh, win both games. Now we're going to game seven. And Dan, I mean, I know I was doing a dance. I know you were doing a dance. All Ranger fans across New York were losing their collective minds. As we're getting set for game seven, was there any doubts in your head? Did you think, you know, we've pushed it far enough. We can't manage to go down again. We, we have to get this game or were you just happy to be there? Well, a little bit of both, but I just had a feeling there's no way we're going to lose this one. No way. No way we're going to lose this one. I, I remember it. I was, I was even saying it to a couple of friends of mine, to a, to a friend of mine. I went to uh, that, that afternoon before the, the game, I got invited to a to a minor league, I mean, not a minor, independent league team, the Atlantic League baseball team, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, which are a new independent independent league team in the Atlantic League. I caught I caught a game there, and uh, I was saying, yeah, there's no way, there's no way the Rangers are going to lose this. We're going to win this one tonight. I said, <laughs> and I get I, I get home, grab I get home grab. Grab, grab some, grab some dinner, and um, I get ready. I make sure, make sure to beat the fridge is stocked with the with the beer. I picked up, I picked up some beer on the way home for the game. So I'm ready. I watch the game. Here we go. We're gonna win this. Exactly, man. And I, I gotta tell you, I was feeling very, very confident uh, in in the Rangers. I was also feeling a little nervous because. You know, you you never know what to expect in a game seven. And I had always been supremely confident in the Rangers in any game seven at home, because as we all know, they were six and oh all time in game sevens at home up until the 2015 game seven of the conference finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So having that bad taste in my mouth from our last pivotal game seven just made me a little nervous going into this game, but I still had definite confidence in this team. And with that, we, yeah, what were you going to say? Because I knew there were some, there was not many players on that team, but I, there was enough, there was a couple of players that are, that were on that 2015 team that are on this team that remember what it was like. And they were, and they did not want to repeat of that. Yeah, no doubt about it. You don't want to feel that, that pain again, you know. Um, but you know, to, as we turned the page to uh, to Game Seven, um, it it was a, a hell of a game. I mean, you know, Kreider got the Rangers started off early by putting them in his fifth of the playoff. He became the first Rangers forward or the first Rangers player, period, actually, to to have five goals in a postseason series since um, Adam Graves in 1996. Um, so it had been a while since a uh, Ranger player had a, a, a goal-scoring series like that. Um, so very cool to, to see that out of Crides. Um, you know, then things, things got a little dicey again after that. I mean, uh, the, they put in two, the, the, the Penguins would, from Heinen and Gunsel. Gunsel's eighth of that round. Um, so the, the, they'd be up 2-1 until midway about the second period when Keandre Miller 
And boy, how good has Keandre Miller been? Goes in there, ties the game, a deflected shot, um, puts the game on his back again. But then as soon as they tie the game, who takes it? Uh, I mean, it's about five or six minutes later, but it's right before the end of the period where you think you're getting out 2-2. And um, Evan Rodriguez comes out of nowhere, puts the puck in a great, just an absolute howitzer of a shot, shorthanded goal, just barely by a second. It was a shorthanded goal on the backhand. Uh, 3-2 Penguins heading to the third period. So again, for the third straight game, the Rangers were going to have to come back, but this time they're going to have to come back twice, or, you know, erasing the 2-1 deficit and the 3-2 deficit, and they would do just that as they waited a, they waited a, a long while in that third period, almost 15 minutes. There's just under five minutes left in the third period when Mika Zibanejad struck and big game Mika came up once again, his third goal in the last two games, uh, it was a wrist shot that just tied it perfect placement against Tristan Jari, by the way, who we mentioned Louis Domingue played the first, um, you know, well, Casey DeSmith played the first game up until he got hurt and had to ha- he had some kind of muscle core surgery. Then Louis Domingue played overtime until game six, uh, you know, from overtime in game one until the end of game six. Now, Tristan Jari, who had broken his foot supposedly about a month before, on April 14th against the Islanders comes back now in game seven for his first in-game action. And now he's in a three, two game in the third period. Boom. He gives this up to Mika. And next thing you know, we're heading to overtime for the first time since game one. And we did not want a repeat of what happened in game one. Right, Dan? Exactly. There's no way we're going to let that happen. I just had a feeling we got this. We got it. Everybody in the building felt the same way that we got it. No way we're going to lose in our building. You're right, man. And you were right. And a lot of the Ranger fans that said that were right because about five minutes into the, uh, the overtime period, the Penguins would get called uh, for a penalty. The Rangers would go on the power play. And then before that power play expired, the series would be over because our Temi Panarin slipped a perfect shot right between a, it, it got through about three or four players, one Ranger, two Penguins, before it finally got to the goal, and it slipped right between Tristan Jari and the goalpost, netting uh, a game winner in overtime for Artemi Panarin. The Rangers' big money man came through, and just like a lot of the Rangers' big-time talent came through in those last few games, you see uh, you know, big games from Adam Fox, big games from Artemi Panarin, and big games – from uh, Mika Zibanejad, um, just just a hell of a series, so much fun. And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts thinking about that, Dan? That was just such an unbelievable one. I That's where I really went loud. I may have – I was probably really loud. I, I, had, I had a Stella or two. I probably, <laughs> like, very loudly was singing the Rangers' victory song. I was actually – so get your stick on your puck and don't get down on your luck. <laughs> exactly. I just I just started going nuts after that. I went high five my mom, my dog, everyone. I think even my grandmother. I, I went to where she was and high fived her, even though she wasn't watching the game. I high fived her. 
and I just started loudly breaking into the song. <laughs> and what that Rangers victory brought us was to round two, a fantastic uh, second round matchup that we're about to have right now. Um, you know, Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes, obviously we don't have the benefit of home ice in this round. We're going to be um, starting off the series tonight in Carolina. Um, you know, we're going to have games three, four, and six at the Garden. You know, if, if it goes to six, um, going to be real interesting to see different mindset going into this series now as uh, it, a clear underdog, unfortunately. The um, Carolina Hurricanes, although they're stocked with a bunch of former Rangers, were the division champions, were the better team uh, in the regular season. They took three out of the four games we played in the regular season, uh, n- not to mention the three-game sweep they handed us in the qualifying round in the 2020 pandemic playoff uh, year. Um, but Dan, what, what's your feeling going into this series? Are you confident in the Rangers or are you a little scared of the Hurricanes? I have a feeling it's going to be Rangers in six. Six, really? Yeah. I just have a feeling it's going to be a hard-fought battle. No doubt about it. I mean, that's why, honestly, I think it's going to go – it's going to go seven. Um, And I'm going to pick the Rangers just because I I love the Rangers and I can't sit here and bet against my team. That's not something I can do. But, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I feel like – right now the Rangers are playing with house money. And what I mean by that is we were supposed to beat the Penguins. You know, it would have been a major, major disappointment if the Rangers had lost to that Penguins team. Now that's not taking anything away from that Penguins team because they probably have three Hall of Famers on that team right now in Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, and Evgeny Malkin. And there might be a couple other guys on there. Jeff Carter is probably borderline. And they just have a really deep team with guys like Brian Boyle, who got hurt at the end of the year and, uh, you know, at, at, at the end of the series. And, and, you know, good luck to Brian Boyle. I hope he, he rebounds quickly as a former Ranger. I'm sure you have, you know, good feelings about Brian Boyle, too, because I know I'll always love that guy. Yep, I had some great memories of him. I got – I somehow got, got a – I think he, I had, they got a signed photo from him a while back. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very nice guy. Very, uh, perfect blue collar type Ranger player that, that guys like us love the, the, those type of fans for, from the garden love. Um, really, really, uh, he's, he's a key player in the bottom six of your lineup. You're not going to see him. He's, he's not a top end skill guy, but he's going to be the guy at the bottom that does a lot of the dirty work. So speedy recovery. To Brian Boyle, but um, boy, if you're talking about former Rangers, we got a lot to look at on this Carolina team. Um, I mean, you look at the right now with the injury to their uh, main goaltender uh, Anderson. Um, it's going to be Antti Ranta, Henrik Lundqvist's former backup for a couple of years uh, in the uh, mid 2010s. Um, I think he was here for 2015 and 2016. Um, and he, he, he was a good ranger. He was a good backup, but he ended up getting dealt to Arizona along with his now teammate. Once again, Derek Stepan, it seems like Stepan and Ronta just follow each other around all the time. They were, they're both rangers together. They're both the Arizona coyotes together. And now they're both 
um, uh, Carolina Hurricanes together. So what do you think about facing Ronta this round? I have a feeling – I just have a feeling this is going to be a close – this could be a goalie matchup. Also, I kind of get nervous about Stefan. I, I I freaking ha- – I have good memories of Stefan, all right? That guy was money when he was with us with being a face on face-off. He was money on face-offs. He was definitely money on face-offs. And he's been – it's funny you say that too because he's been money on face-offs this whole year um, – He's always been good on faceoffs, especially in the playoffs, but he's never actually had a season where he was over 50% for the full regular season in winning faceoffs. This year, he was 55%, one of the top faceoff winners in the league. So you, you got to be happy if you're, uh, you know, the Rod Brendamore or Carolina Hurricanes fan, this bunch of jerks. You know, uh, that, that's they refer to themselves as a bunch of jerks. Um, you know, the uh, Derek Stepan has been doing a great job with that third and fourth line, bottom six. So just a, uh, you know, don't forget about that. I know people are going to sleep on him because of his uh, scoring deficiencies the last couple of years. He only had nine goals this year. He only had 10 assists. He's not the guy that the Rangers knew that is going to put up. 50 or 60 points in the regular season anymore. But what he can do is go in there and win you a big defensive zone face-off. He could go in there and do a great penalty kill and really contribute to special teams and the team in that way. So you really have to like what you see uh, if you're a Canes fan from, uh, from Derek Stepan. Also, talking about guys doing dirty work, Jesper Faust. Jesper Faust is in their top six. He's not a bottom six guy like Stepan now. He had 13 goals this year. He had, you know, over 30 points, which is big for a guy like him that does that dirty work. Um, so it's going to be painful seeing a lot of these Ranger guys, not to mention Brady Shea and Tony D'Angelo. So, you know, the gang's all here, Dan. <laughs> this is a very evenly matchup. I feel are are in similar uh Kind of, kind of mindsets and level of play, so it's going to be a nail biter. I'm not going to be calm until this series is over, and hopefully, when that calm down happens, we're on top, and we win again. And this beard will grow, probably look even thicker than it does now. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. The uh, you know when you look at this series on paper. All the experts are going to pick Carolina, and you can't blame them. Uh, you know, Carolina uh, was the more efficient team defensively uh, all year. They were uh, on par with the Rangers offensively, although the Rangers had, uh, you know, one of the better offensive units, especially power play in the league. And power play is probably one of the areas where the Rangers are going to have to excel at because Carolina has a good power play but not as good as the Rangers. Um, and, you know, just winning those face-offs, you know, we saw Mika Zibanejad. One thing I forgot to mention about Mika too, Mika Zibanejad in game seven against Sidney Crosby, he primarily played against Sidney Crosby, won 72% of his face-offs against Sid, who had dominated face-offs that entire series. So 
really, really great job from Mika in there. And it's going to have to carry over here because especially against this team, you're going to have to win faceoffs. And that's going to be a, a big key to this series, Dan, right? It'd be a big key. Faceoffs are going to be a big key. And I really feel it's going to be whoever played the better goaltending and this one's going to win this. I agree. I, I foresee a lot of 3-2 games or 2-1 games in this series because uh, just like you said, the teams are very evenly matched. They know each other very well, um, you know, and the, there's just been this history brewing the last couple of years between these teams. Uh, really, really fun stuff on the horizon, man. And just like you said, if we're, if we're uh, coming back down to earth in what about two weeks when this series is over and we, we get, and the Rangers are still alive and that playoff beard is still going, then we're going to be coming back down to earth getting ready for the conference finals. The first time the Rangers have been in the conference finals since 2015. Uh, so this is a big series with a lot of big, uh, you know, big time um, ramifications that are going to come from it because this is going to determine um, in, in large part uh, who's going to the Stanley cup. And if the Rangers can knock off one of these division winners, because that's what, you know, right now the Rangers are, are an underdog and don't have home ice because they were not a division winner, which is the same situation that the, the two time defending Stanley cup champion Tampa Bay lightning find themselves in right now, as they took a game one, against those division champion uh, um, Florida Panthers 4-1. So, you know, we gave our predictions for the Rangers, right, Dan? So I'm sticking with Rangers in seven, and you think Rangers in six? Yep. Okay. Now, on the other side, if we're looking at the other two teams that are still alive in the East, who are you picking in that that series that is just going to be a great series, no doubt about it? between the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning? I think that one's going to be Lightning in seven. Lightning in seven? I mean, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, the Lightning have been taken to the limit. I mean, they just went to the limit um, in uh, the first round. Um, you know, so – and also they've been taking the limit the last couple of years with the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders took them to six games two years ago. The Islanders took them to – uh, seven games last year. Um, so this is a team that is very experienced going deep in series. They're very comfortable going deep in series, but I'm going to throw a curveball here. I really like the Tampa Bay Lightning, and how could you not? They've won two straight Stanley Cups, and they're, uh, they're definitely a, a big-time pick. I'm sure they're a trending pick in Vegas right now, but I think – they're missing something. They're, they've lost a lot of players the last couple of years, not just Barclay Goodrow. Um, you know, they've, they've added a couple of, of other pieces like Hagel from the, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, who really had a, a great first round for them and one of his uh, first tastes of postseason hockey. Um, but I, I really just think that with the experience and – even though they still have a lot of their top line guys like Point and um, Stamkos and all those guys, and they still have their killer behind the net, um, I I really think that 
Florida is going to surprise people. And I'm going to say Panthers in seven. <laughs> what do you think about that, Dan? Does that surprise you? Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I think you could have gone either way with that. I feel those two are were evenly matched teams. Yeah, I, I, I really agree. It's picking two great teams to, to you know, obviously the two time defending Stanley cup champion, uh, Tampa Bay lightning and the, the, the Florida Panthers who had just a, a ridiculous season. I'm, they, they won the president's trophy this year, which I did not think they were going to be able to do against the uh, Colorado avalanche who were just seemingly running away with it at one point. And even though the Panthers were having a great year, I did not think they were going to be able to catch them. Guess what they did. And um, you know, the, the rest is history. Uh, now we're, we're coming to the end here. Uh, we're getting to the end of the show. Now I do want to touch on a little bit of baseball before we get out of here. Um, really great hockey discussion so far. Gotta, we really had to sink our teeth into the, this Rangers playoff run. So forgive us if you're a baseball fan, but uh, we're going to dip our toe in to this uh, uh, baseball talk right now. Dan, let's start off with the Yankees because obviously me and you can talk about the Mets forever, but with the, uh, the Yankees right now, I mean, they're, they're playing Baltimore. They, they won yesterday, five, four, they, uh, they won the day before six, two. So, uh, you know, yesterday was a little bit of a closer effort with them. But like we mentioned at the top of the show, the Yankees are 18 and three in their last 21 games. And Aaron Judge has hammered 13 home runs in that time. Aaron Judge is playing MVP type level uh, outfielder right now for, for the New York Yankees. Dan, uh, do you see him slowing up or is this guy on a path for another 50 home run season MVP type year? I think with Aaron Judge, I feel the second half is always the great equalizer. Well, that that's definitely true, and we remember he was even on a on a pace to smash more than fifty home runs in his rookie season, and really slowed down in August that year. Um, he might have only hit one home run in August, and then really finished strong with. I mean, he hit double-digit home runs in August uh, in uh, in September of 2017 uh, when he won Rookie of the Year and slugged the former record 52 home runs until some guy named Pete Alonso came around and smashed 53 home runs and broke that record two years later. <laughs> is is he still around? Then that guy Pete Alonso, I think he's still playing, right? Around and still going strong. <laughs> still. Still creating the walk-off invent, inventor of the walk-off shirt off. You got that right. Ripping people's shirt off left and right. Um, and that I'm shocked. The one one time I saw Pete, did I seen him himself when he's at a walk-off RBI? Someone that has ripped the shirt off. I think if next time Pete Alonso gets a walk-off RBI, I think he needs to go Hulk Hogan and rip the shirt off himself, his own shirt off. <laughs> That's a great idea. He should pre-cut the shirt, just like Hogan used to, and rip it off. I, I would love to see that. That would be hilarious if Pete did that at any point. He's he's big enough. He's like the Hulk anyway already. You might as well just rip that thing off. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just to, to touch on the Yankees again still, I mean, the, the, they're 27-9. and nine. Just 
absolutely ridiculous. You know, Tyone is pitching great for them right now. Luis Severino has come back. And I mean, when, when you look at these, at these guys, it's like, um, it, it's really just crazy to see how well the Yankees have performed. I mean, Jamison Tyone right now is four and one with a three, two, eight ERA. Um, he's not really striking guys out, which, you know, we're, we're not used to in this day and age where everybody strikes everybody out, but he's getting the job done. Uh, same thing with uh, Luis Severino. I mean, you know, Severino is coming back off Tommy John, which a lot of people were worried about him, but so far 3-0 with a 3-6-3 ERA in his seven starts, averaging more than a strikeout per inning. And that's not even talking about the guys who have pitched the best, like Garrett Cole and um, Nestor Cortez. Uh, you know, and not, not to mention that Aroldis Chapman still hasn't blown a save for them right now. Um, you know, and they're in the midst of this four game series against Baltimore right now. Um, They have three games mixed in with, uh, with Chicago after, but then comes the real test where the Yankees are going to play four in Tampa Bay and three against the rejuvenated Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. It'll be really interesting too, to see if Noah Syndergaard pitches in that series. Um, So what, what do you think, Dan, do you think that the Yankees, you know, they're playing Tampa Bay. Uh, what's that Memorial day, right around Memorial day. Um, and, and Tampa Bay is going to be a big test for them. Do you think the Yankees are going to be up to that test? Or do you think Tampa Bay is going to kick them back down to, uh, to size? I have a feeling Tampa is going to, going to, going to rise to this one. And we could be seeing some close games and this is going to be a real test of so, so far, this is going to be the first big test of where they are in the seat so far. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. As the, uh, you know, right now the Yankees have a five and a half game lead over Tampa Bay Um, and Tampa Bay's playing pretty good too. Tampa Bay's seven games over 500 right now. They're 22 and 15. The Yankees are 27 and nine uh, already knocking on the door of being 20 games over 500 this early in the year, if you're doing that before Memorial day, you're off to a hell of a start. And, um, you know, talking about being off to hell of a start right now, our Mets have the largest division lead in baseball. That's right. The Yankees are 20 games over 500, but they actually have a couple of competent teams playing behind them right now. That's not the case in the NL East as the Mets, uh, right now own a six game lead over the, um, uh, the Marlins right now are sitting in second place. The The Mets have done great. As a matter of fact, with the two games Buck Showalter's missed this year where they're 0-2, the Mets are 24-12 and with Showalter in the dugout, 24-14 and overall. Um, you know, right now, they're uh, everything's breaking their way. They got Max Scherzer going tonight against the uh, Cardinals after a split doubleheader yesterday, which kind of stunk especially the way it ended with, with uh, Francisco Lindor having a chance to win it late. Uh, and by late, I mean literally is the last out of the game. Uh, h- how are you feeling about Lindor, Dan? I feel like a lot of people, he, he shut a lot of critics up early in the year when he had a really, really good hot start to the season. He's kind of cooled off the last couple of weeks, and those boo birds and uh, the people, you know, the doubting Thomases have starting to come back uh, questioning Francisco Lindor 
what are your feelings on him? Are you disappointed? Uh, are you fed up with him? Or do you think he's going to just have a good year eventually? We just got to let him play baseball. Going to have a good year. I think you need to be a little patient with Lindor. He's probably going through a little, little slump. I feel everyone, and even in the great years, they have that little slump. He better, at be, best, he get, he'll he'll get he'll get he'll he at the slump now, and then later on he'll be hopefully going hot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Francisco Lindor. I think you just got to let him do his thing. He's still driving in runs. He's still drawing walks. Um, you know, so and he's hitting extra base hits too. He's got, you know, he's he's got six home runs, six doubles. So he's got. 12 extra base hits. Um, you know, he's the only guy who's got more than that on the team right now is Pete Alonso. So he is one of the guys that is, is doing very well. Um, you know, another guy who's had the spotlight on him and his struggles recently has been Eduardo Escobar, who did have a big game, the doubleheader. Well, he, he did have a big day in the doubleheader yesterday. He had two hits in the first game. He had a home run in the second one, uh, bringing his average up to 217 which really isn't, you know, that great. But still, he's he's bringing it up. I still like Eduardo Escobar, too. I think he's going to be good. Uh, are you feeling the same about Escobar, Dan? Like, he, you know, this guy's a pro. He's going to get it done eventually. I feel Eduardo Escobar is going to have a great season. I could tell he, he – I had a feeling he he probably flying out under the radar. Probably that first didn't look like such a big pick, but I had a feeling – he could be a big role player on this team. He definitely is. And he's one of those glue clubhouse guys that everybody likes. I mean, Max Scherzer, when he signed here, said one of the main reasons why he wanted to come here, he loved, uh, you, you know, um, what's his name? Um, Stevie uh, Cohen. He loves the idea of, uh, of Buck Showalter being in the dugout. And he also loves – Eduardo Escobar because every teammate he's had that has been teammates with Eduardo Escobar elsewhere raves about him as a teammate. And he showed that early on when Eduardo Escobar took all of his teammates out to dinner for that first weekend series in Washington and uh, definitely ingratiated himself to a, to a lot of these guys in the Mets. Um, you know, you got to love uh, the season that we're seeing out of Jeff McNeil. You know, he hit 251 last year, very un-McNeil-like season. He's hitting um, over 300 again this year. He's hitting 312 coming into today. Uh, figured out that where his strengths are, and he's playing to the strengths. And, that, and that's what you got to do sometimes. You got to not try to overgo above, thinking you, you could go above than your strengths. Exactly. And, you know, he was one of those guys, too, that he had a really great end of the year in, uh, tw in 2019. Well, actually, he had, a, he had really a fantastic year overall in 2019. But he became a different hitter that second half of 2019, where he really started hitting for power more. And he ended up with 23 home runs. He had a really good year. But um, in 2020, it kind of took him a little while to get that back. And he did. He had a, another good year. He hit 311 in 2020. Uh, just a, a, he didn't start off good, but he finished well. And you were kind of hoping that carried over to last year in 2021. And it just did not. He had a bad year. Um, I, I think the Mets had way too much information last year. And the, the differentiating between Chili Davis and whatever the 
hidden coach's name who came in after that, Quaddlebaum or whatever his name is, Hugh Quaddlebaum. Um, you know, the, the Mets just did not get it done last year. Hitting-wise, and Jeff McNeil was one of the biggest offenders. Thank God that's not the case this year as, uh, as McNeil has played great. Um, not to mention, too, Brandon Nimmo. Got to love what you see out of Brandon Nimmo. He banged himself up yesterday, but he's in the lineup again tonight. And, boy, Nimmo has been awesome. Yep, exactly. Nimmo, I feel, has been great. He's been – he has been – he's unbelievable in getting those extra base hits and a tape being a table setter. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And then finally, too, Scherzer. I mean, how – you've got to love Scherzer. The guy sets the tone. Like I said, me and my girlfriend went to the uh, Saturday uh, – the Friday night game last week at, at City Field that he pitched uh, during game six for the Rangers, as a matter of fact. And um, – uh, he just looked so great. Seven innings. He does it effortlessly almost at times. So he makes it appear effortlessly. And he he is a slam dunk Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. Um, it's just going to be, uh, you know, really fun watching him have this season and how it unfolds for a full year as a Met. And then it's going to get even more interesting when we get to pair him with DeGrom later in the year. Right, Dan? Cannot wait to see that. I believe me, I cannot wait to see that. And once the Grom comes back, we're gonna do a live exorcism on my DeGrom shirt. <laughs> but that's I wore this shirt. One thing I wore it at a game the Grom was supposed to bitch. It got rained out. The next game I wore it, I was wearing it. It wasn't a day that the it was on the day that the Grom was pitching, it wasn't the game I was at the at the game, but the Grom had to leave early and he was pitching masterful. And then the next day, the next game, it was a game I was at that I finally got to see the Grom pitch in 2021 at the in person. He ended up uh getting taken out after two innings, if I remember correctly. Oh boy, yeah, you got, you, we definitely gotta get some good mojo in that jersey, no doubt about it. Exactly. Get some good mojo. Hopefully, get the get the back home out of that jersey. Get some good karma into this. Actually, it's a shirt, not a jersey. It's a shirt. But we got to get some good karma into the shirt. No doubt about it, man. And you know, real quick before, because we're about to wrap up right now. Real quick, gotta tip your cap to Chris Bassett and Edwin Diaz, two two guys who have just been awesome so far this year, right? Uh, Diaz, I had a feeling was going to bounce back. I don't know why. He just had some gut feeling. He, he, he's gonna, he, he was going to have a, mo- a monster year. And so far, it's looking to that. And Chris Bassick, I heard good things from some uh, people I knew from the Bay Area were telling me that, oh, you guys got a great pitcher, and he's living up to that expectation. No doubt about it. The Mets definitely did a good job of raiding the uh, coffers of the Oakland Athletics because we came away with Mark Kana, um, Starlin Marte, and Chris Bassett. So uh, three great pickups, uh, three really great moves by uh, Billy Epler and, and the Mets front office. So, um, hey, you just got to tip your cap to them. And now the Mets play tonight. You know, you got Scherzer going against the Cardinals. They play the day game on getaway day tomorrow, uh, Thursday, which is the day you'll be seeing this. What's that, Dan? Going to be at that game tomorrow on Thursday. Ah, there you go. So if you happen to be watching this tomorrow 
on your way to City Field or at City Field or before you're going to go to the game, seek out uh, the co-host of the Best Seat in the House podcast, Daniel Bobo Curlin, as he'll be there tomorrow. Um, and then, and, and then after that, this weekend we go on a uh, nice little road trip. Uh, it's going to be tough over the next month for the Mets as they're going to be playing a lot of road games. Um, you know, really, uh, when you, when you look at it, they're going to have, um, you know, these three in Colorado followed by three in San Francisco. Then they come home for six against Philly and Washington, but boy, they go right back on the road for another long road trip from June 2nd until June 12th, where they're in Los Angeles to play the Dodgers for four San Diego to play the Padres for three. And then they go back to LA to play the angels for three. So they are going to have, I mean, realistically, they're going to be in California more in the next month than they're going to be in New York. So, you know, this is a Mets team that's really going to have to be playing at their best. Right, Dan? And if you're staying up to watch those games, get some good coffee. Yeah, definitely get yourself a coffee and stay up to watch these games. Cause you know, especially the Mets go out West there's always something interesting happened, you know, happening. I remember the, uh, the, the Ryan church incident happened out there um, when he banged into the wall at Dodger stadium and gave himself a concussion. Um, then you, you also had Willie Randolph getting fired in 2008 when they were in uh, uh, Anaheim actually to, to play the angels uh, right after a Damian easily game winning home run game too, by the way. You remember that, Dan? <laughs> I remember waking up hearing that news. That kind of shocked me. Yeah, and then that. one that kind of kind of disappointed me that I may have maybe made some noise at a weird hour with the cursing when Diaz when no Diaz had one of those outings where he couldn't get a single out. He couldn't get that out in that game. Yes, yes, you're right. Of course, also, we had some positives during during games in the West Coast. A couple of those positives I'll start with in the 2015 playoffs. The Grom pitched a masterful game five of the division series and then handed it off to some to uh, some a relief out, outing by Syndergaard. Yeah, the, the Angels some- pitcher now. <laughs> We to advance to the National League Championship Series. Also, another great memorable moment at at West. You got to mention Big Sexy Bartolo Colon, his first ever home run. I'm still jealous. My brother got to be at that game. My brother, who lives in San Diego, got to be at that game. Still jealous of him. But that was, I was like, unbelievable moment. And I had a feeling it was going to happen. And not only did it happen, it, the Seven Line Army happened to be there, and they got to see it live as well. So, plenty of Met fans got to see it in person, and it was very true. Very true too. And as a matter of fact, I actually saw Johan Santana's last win as a Met at Dodger Stadium in 2012 at the end of June, a few weeks after he threw his no hitter. Uh, I was there. He threw eight shutout innings and beat the Dodgers. Uh, five nothing that day um and then you know he came back a couple weeks later 
with the uh, the severe arm problems. I remember him getting knocked out early in a start at City Field against the uh, Chicago Cubs when they came back east. So, yeah, definitely always good things uh, can happen when you follow the Mets, especially on the West Coast. Always interesting things. Some good, some bad. Um, but uh, we'll have some good this year. Exactly. See, that's the positive attitude I like. The trip out to the West Coast Stadium. I haven't done any of the West Coast stadiums yet, so I definitely got to take care of that one of these days. Oh, definitely. Definitely got to catch that. Um, and I think that's pretty much us. Uh, that, that, that's, that's pretty much it for us now, Dan. Uh, we're coming to the end here. Uh, I want to thank everybody for watching the show this week again. Thanks to all our new Twitter followers. Thanks to all our subscribers and, and everything like that. Um, do us a favor and, and click subscribe if you haven't yet. And, uh, and give us where we're trying to get to a hundred. We're almost there. Uh, you know, we're, we're on the road to that. We're on the road to 300 followers right now on Twitter. Um, check us out on Instagram too, at best seat in the house podcast. Uh, check us out there as, as we're rolling up there as well. And um, that's, that's pretty much it, Dan. Uh, I mean, I think the only thing left to say is let's go Rangers, right? Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers. <laughs> there we go. We got a big game one tonight. We hope the Rangers are in the, the series lead the next time we come on. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun watching these two teams go at it. So I hope you enjoy the series. And uh, me and Dan will be back to opine on it a week from today. So thank you for joining us once again. I'm Rob Kramer, along with my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. You can check us out on all of our social medias, as we mentioned earlier today, and I'll put it at the bottom. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great week, and we'll catch you next time on Best Seat in the House podcast.